You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Bain, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank was traveling today, so I am going solo for the day. Um, probably going to try to keep it a little bit on the short side, but, um, you know, there is plenty to talk about. So we'll try to hit up, uh, a bunch of those kind of different topics and, and see what we can get into. So, uh, I think the, the first thing to, the first thing to talk about tonight is Giannis is the captain of, I guess, Team Giannis. Um, he, he was the leading vote getter in the Eastern Conference. Uh, he was the guy that gets a chance to pick his own team along with LeBron James. LeBron James, the leading vote getter uh, in the Western Conference. And, you know, a quick breakdown of Giannis uh, in kind of his his votes and kind of all that, all that went down. Uh, he gets 4375 47 fan votes. That is the second most of anyone uh, in the NBA behind LeBron James. Uh, Voting, he gets 99 of 100 media votes. And that one is a little bit tougher to, to understand because I, I have no idea how you don't, think he's one of the three best front court players in the Eastern Conference. It is, uh, it's mind boggling. It it doesn't make any sense. Uh, There was only one player that got all 100 of the media votes and that was Kyrie Irving. Uh, But Giannis gets 99 and he got 99 of 100 with Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid. uh, And (laughs) so... The other three that got a media vote. So obviously, if those three each got 99 out of 100, you would need media votes. You know, three media votes to go around. Uh, one went to Jason Tatum. One went to Pascal Siakam, and one went to Nikola Vukovic. Vucevic. Sorry, Frank. That's my bad. Um, but you know. <sighs> For all three of those guys, Embiid, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, those are the three frontcourt players. Like I, I don't even know how you disqualify one of them. I, I simply cannot comprehend it. How, how you could put um, Siakam? Uh, and I guess the interesting thing to me is if you have Siakam in there, like trying to figure out this puzzle is just. It kind of 
amazing to me because, you know, you're going to have to think through these ballots and, you know, it's never going to be public. I don't, I don't imagine that we'll ever find out who it was that actually made these votes. But, you know, if you vote in Pascal Siakam as one of your three front court players, that means either you put two Toronto players in your front court or you somehow voted for Pascal Siakam above Kawhi Leonard, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And I am just totally lost by that. And Nikola Vucevic, he's having a great year, don't get me wrong, but him above Embiid or Giannis or Kawhi, it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, the same thing goes for Jason Tatum. So, um, Frankly, I don't understand how uh, anyone would would make that vote, but someone did it, uh, and someone kept Giannis from getting a perfect 100 of 100 media votes, Uh, so that means he's tied for second there, and then he gets 269 player votes, and that is the most of anyone in the NBA uh, just across the entire board uh, as far as player votes. Um, and that includes both the Eastern and Western Conference. That includes LeBron James. Uh, that is a vote that Giannis won handily. So Giannis gets 269 player votes, the most of any player. So to recap, 4,375,747 fan votes was the second most behind LeBron James. 99 of 100 media votes was tied for second most uh, behind Kyrie Irving, and then 269 player votes was the most for any player in the NBA. Uh, And obviously, you know, Giannis kind of goes out there and and sweeps thing. Sweep isn't the right word because he wasn't number one in all of them, but does incredibly well in all of them. uh, And he is one of two captains for this year's All-Star game in Charlotte. And I had asked Giannis at practice today, you know, kind of, kind of what it meant to him that last year when you look at the voting, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but I think it was something like second in fa- second or third in fan voting and then first in player voting and then, um, you know, I think second and third in media voting or something like that. But again, it was like top three finishes across the board. And, you know, I asked Giannis, like, you know, was it mean that, you know, obviously the fans give you those votes, but to get those votes across the board, that means, you know, there, there just isn't, you know, like a, a popularity aspect to it. There is uh, a level of respect that you're receiving from all of these different places. And, you know, just what does that mean? And he had said, the one that kind of stood out to him was the players. And he said, it's big to know players in the league and the entire league appreciate what you do. They see all the hard work you've put in and what you do for your team to be successful every night. So that meant a lot to me more than the fans vote, the fans vote. Of course it's big also, but just the players in the entire league saying, okay, this is the guy. Now I feel like that's a big stamp for me and a big moment that I appreciated a lot last year. And you know, Part of the reason why I asked it was because I I kind of assumed all those things would happen again. And, you know, this is, again, another statement. If you need a statement, I can't imagine you would. But apparently one out of 100 media members does need this statement. Giannis is one of the very best players in the league, and everyone knows it. Players know it. 
The media knows it. Fans know it. Uh, not that Giannis would ever need coaches' votes, but the coaches know it. Like everyone in the NBA knows just how good Giannis Dedekumbo is, and uh, this is just kind of a, another another spot where you get to see all of that shine through, and. You know, now you have Captain Giannis. Uh, he had a couple, couple funny things to say uh, about all of this. Uh, uh, I had asked if you know he was going to talk to John Horst at all about you know how you put together a team and roster construction, and he said, "No, no, no, I'm not interested in that." Um, Matt Velasquez asked if you know if he knew who he thought you know the the first picks he was thinking about uh, would be as a captain. And I'm sure all the Bucks fans uh, out there are going to know exactly which ones are free agents and which ones uh, he should be recruiting. Um, I'm sure all of you can tell me that on Twitter. Um, and I'm sure Giannis would not care uh, in any way. But uh, he did say that, you know, if he is an all-star captain, captain, that he's a lover and not a fighter. And thus, he would like to put Joel Embiid and Russell Westbrook on the same team. Uh, so he would go out of his way to to draft both Joel and Russell and put them on his team. And if you've been following uh, <laughs> what those two have been doing, the trash that they have been talking, uh, that would be quite entertaining. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. Then after that, he said that you know he would uh, once he was through with the starters. Russ Westbrook didn't end up being a starter, but he said once he was through with the starters, then he would draft his teammates uh, and go along with that as well so um yeah Giannis is captain I think kind of the ending all of us were expecting uh I think everything kind of played out how we thought it would we we thought he would be uh, the captain in the to represent the Eastern Conference now team Giannis team LeBron uh which is this is something I was thinking about before I was trying to figure out if it was going to be uh, team Giannis or Team Atetokounmpo, and I gotta say, I I think the fact that it was LeBron helped out making it Team Giannis because you know I wonder if it was anyone else other than LeBron if you can feel comfortable uh, going with the first name or if you got to go with the last name. Like I think I think it would be really interesting. So I don't I don't really know. Um, exactly how that that decision was made because you know you could still make it Team James, um, but Team LeBron, Team Giannis, uh, and everyone's all ready to go. So I thought that was uh, that was really interesting. Obviously, that's going to be how we start our day here on Locked On Bucks. Giannis is the all star is one of the all star captains. So um, yeah, it should be fun. All-Star voting is uh, all complete, and we'll see now as, you know, I mean, there's a couple lingering questions with the All-Star game. There's obviously the question of, will the Bucks have the best record when it is time to say who the, the coach of the of Team Giannis will be? It, as of now, it would be Mike Boonholzer. Um, but we'll have to see. I think two weeks out is the deadline for when they pick the coach. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, finding that information is incredibly difficult. Um, but I do think it is two weeks out. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that and 
try to attempt to figure out exactly when it would be official for Bud, but uh, that would be um, you know something to, to keep an eye on. Maybe Bud would be the coach. Uh, also have to keep an eye on, Actually, just wait. Uh, before, <laughs> before we move on to thinking about reserves and uh, Bledsoe and Middleton and, and those things, um, Mike Boonholzer might have had the quote of the day uh, because it was – just totally ridiculous. Um, Matt had asked, you know, if if he is the all-star coach and Giannis is the captain, uh, if he would be collaborating with Giannis on the picks and they could try to put the perfect team together. And he said, I would absolutely just sit on my duff and say, it's all up to you, Giannis. You just pick the team and I'll show up and make sure you guys have enough water and Gatorade. And I love that quote, not because of the water and the Gatorade and not because uh, it kind of gets at what the All-Star game is, but Mike Boonholz are saying he would sit on his duff. Wow. I don't, I don't know if I've seen someone use duff in that way. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm trying to think of the last time. Um, you know, I've seen it in like TVs and movies, uh, but that's really something. It was it was incredible. Um, I was I'm very happy that I was there to hear it uh, because it was it was delightful. So uh, Mike Boonholzer, Duff Sitter. Just so you know, if you're curious, uh, what he'd be doing if he is the All Star coach. Obviously, making some jokes, but uh, I'm sure he would take the responsibility very serious and uh, have a good time with it. And uh, obviously, it would be quite an honor. So we'll see if that is the case. Okay. Moving on to reserves. Um, one of the surprising things of the night was the inside the NBA crew on TNT talking about reserves and picking out who they would pick. And on the screen, they show a graphic that says everyone, Shaq and Charles and Kenny and Ernie, all agreeing that Chris Middleton would be one of the, they would pick Chris Middleton as one of the Eastern Conference representatives. And then, I mean, Shaq just kind of blacking out and totally arguing against it, uh, which very much confused Ernie and it was quite entertaining. Uh, But they did all put him down for that. And, you know, I I think it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch because, you know, I've... I've said in the past before that, you know, I think around the league, coaches and players really respect Middleton, uh, really respect what he does. And, you know, I think that would probably mean that they would see, or the coaches would see, okay, Bucks are in first, one of the best teams in the league. They need a second all star. And then uh, that would lead to them picking Middleton as opposed to, um, you know, as Frank has mentioned this year, I think you can make an argument that uh, Bledsoe has been a more vital member of this Bucks team. Like he's set the tone defensively, he's been quite good offensively. And, you know, like you can kind of make that argument. Uh, but, for I, I just gotta say, like I think, just thinking about how coaches and players all kind of talk and, and do these things, that you know, I think it would probably be the case that uh, you would see coaches kind of lean towards Middleton as you know a way to recognize what he's done over the years. But I don't, I don't actually know. I, I think you could have either of them, but I would guess that the Bucks have two. 
um, because you know I think they're just they're just too good. Um, like I think there's there's got to be something there, um, you know, as you're thinking through kind of how you pick these that you know maybe that would be uh, a spot for Middleton, but also at the same time maybe. Uh, you're looking at a spot for Eric Bledsoe. So I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, But there is probably only one spot, and you got to figure that out. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. uh, I don't know when the coach's vote is conducted. I don't know if they even have the starters there or, you know, ballots go out once starters are selected so that you can only vote for reserves Um, because – I know in the past I feel like reserves have been injured before, but I think it's kind of a timeline of, oh, they get selected as a reserve and then they get injured. Um, But Oladipo would be an interesting case where um, if it is selected beforehand and Oladipo is named an Eastern Conference All-Star, I would guess the substitution would go to... Uh, Mike Boonholzer, and in that situation, I I don't think I'd be shocked if Mike Boonholzer said, I want two guys there, and I'm going to have both Bledsoe and Middleton, whichever one uh, doesn't get picked. So I think it's, a, I don't know, I'm not 100% sure on how all of these things work, um, and again, I've tried to look at this stuff online, but it always gets very confusing, and I always get just kind of lost in all of the different things that all-star voting kind of looks like. So um, I'm not 100% sure how it all goes down, but uh, I think that'll be something to watch. Just, you know, one, who the Bucks' second all-star is, and then, uh, you know, if injuries or other things allow for um, Bud to, one, first be the coach, like if the Bucks are good enough, and then two, uh, get a chance to go ahead and, and pick uh, another buck to, to be an injury replacement. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think that's about it for All-Star. The only other thing I would say, Kemba Walker getting voted in, uh, that's cool. Like it just, that he gets to start. I know there, uh, you know, I've talked to a bunch of media folks in the last couple of weeks talking about that second Eastern Conference guard spot. And I think it was a maybe the most difficult spot on the entire ballot, like just trying to figure out, um, you know, exactly who to put in there. Um, you know, cause uh, Simmons was listed as guard. So you could put Ben Simmons in there. Uh, you could have also put Victor Oladipo in there. Um, you could have put Kemba Walker in there. And I think there was arguments for all of those things. And I'm just happy that, you know, with, with all-star game in Charlotte, Kemba Walker is going to get to start the game, and uh, that'll be cool. I think it'll, it'll be exciting and fun to watch, so um, we will see what happens there. Okay, that's it for All-Star. Moving on. We've teased it here for a couple days, but even with Frank on, I'm just going to talk about it and, and just kind of knock it out, but uh, the Memphis Grizzlies have decided that they're going to spend these next couple of weeks up to the trade deadline talking through the possibility of trading Marcus Saul and trading Mike Conley. And, um, you know, I think in the past we've kind of, I think we, we've talked about Marcus Saul before and just, you know, kind of what kind of fit he would be and, and all these things. And, you know, now with Brooke Lopez, I, I don't think he has that type of fit and, 
I don't know if you want to deal with his player option. He can opt in next year for roughly $25 million. I don't think there's really any good indication of what the center market will be. Uh, So I think if you would trade for that, you might be on the hook for it, which might be ideal and you want him to be on your team again or you know maybe you were hoping that you could restructure that like i'm not exactly sure what's going to happen there um i think you know maybe there's a little bit more concern about his age and you're not a hundred percent sure what's happening there on the other hand uh, mike conley is really i mean kind of an interesting player here because as you look at conley he is he is 31 years old and uh you look at his contract he has uh He's on the hook for 30.30 million this year, on the hook for 32.5 million the following year, um, and then uh, you can opt out of the final year of his deal uh, in 2021. So essentially, you'd have him for this year uh, at the cap hit number of 30.5, next year 32.5. And, you know, I, I, think, I think that it's at least interesting to me because when you you look at what he is and how he has played this year um you know like i think it's it's at least interesting because he has been such a good player for such a long time and you know even the other night as you were watching him against the bucks like you could still see some interesting stuff there. And when you look at the numbers he's put up this year, 20 points per game, six assists per game, uh, still solid defense, uh, a couple rebounds per game, uh, and then 35% three-point shooting on six threes per game. And uh, on his on his career, 37 and a half uh, three-point percentage, which uh, is better than Eric Bledsoe. And, you know, I think why it's interesting is uh, I think you can have a little bit more trust in his ability to shoot the basketball. I think you can have a little bit more trust in uh, his playmaking and you can rely on him a little bit more in those ways. And I don't I'm not sure anyone on the uh, in the entire league can play defense quite the way that Bledsoe has this year, as as he's just been so engaged and he's been such a big part of what the Bucks do. Um, but you know, if there is someone out there that could do something similar, you know, maybe it's Mike Conley. He, he has been a really good defensive player um, his entire career. So I think. Th- I think Conley is at least interesting for all of those reasons because, you know, as you're you're looking through the roster, you're trying to figure out spots to upgrade. You know, point guard would be one of those spots. And uh, when you are putting together a package, you could do something like Bledsoe, Snell, and DiVincenzo, and the money would work on that. And I'm not exactly sure, um, exactly sure exactly how much um, – the I, I really I don't know what the Grizzlies want. I really I really have no idea, and I don't even know if uh, you if, if that package is interesting to them. I don't know if you throw in a pick to it. If that's interesting, I, I don't know what they want. But you know, it is kind of interesting to think through just adding a, a player of Mike Conley's talent level, consistency, all those things. But at at the exact same time, you know, you're looking at adding even more salary and and putting someone different into this roster messing with chemistry um so you know like uh, frank and i were talking about this the other night before we recorded like you know there's not a 
there's not a ton of super interesting trades out there for this team uh, just because of the situation that they're in and uh, the players that they have and, you know, kind of the assets that they may be able to put together. Like, there's not... There's not something super compelling out here, um, but this is something that that kind of could be like you're you're thinking about possible question marks, and you know I think a question mark that lingers over the season though we don't talk about it much, and he's been much more consistent, and uh, you know he's he's played within himself, and the defensive lapses have gone away. Eric Bledsoe got embarrassed by Terry Rozier last year in the playoffs, and you know there, there's not a way to answer that there's not a way to uh quell those concerns there's not a way to get any of that you know any suspicions about some possible uh repeat performance until he has a better performance <laughs> and and you know he he shuts up that idea by playing well like all the, like it, it literally can't happen any other way uh so that's why a guy like conley who has been to the playoffs before he's a proven winner uh he's a little bit more consistent of an outside shooter like you can get all of those things and you know replace eric bledsoe in that way so this is this is to me is something that's at least um interesting uh he is someone that they are at least interest like looking through trading as opposed to many of the deals that i get where it's just some random person on a team that you think is better than someone on the Bucks, and like there are actual Mike Conley rumors. So um, I do think it is at least interesting, but I I don't really know that one the Bucks have enough. The Bucks have anything that's interesting in the Grizzlies, and two I don't know what the Grizzlies want. I really don't. So um, we figured we'd bring it up. We talk about it a little bit uh, just to you know. All these things, like as you're tinkering with with this Bucks team, I think there's just a lot of stuff that ends up being interesting, and you try to figure out if it's actually interesting or um, you know if it's just rethl- just kind of restlessness that you know this team isn't super exciting uh, at the moment. And I shouldn't say super exciting, but they're they're not drama filled. There's not you know something more you really want to throw in and and say. This is, this is what's happened. Like, it, they just win a lot, and because of that, that can be, uh, you know, boring in some ways. Where you're just gonna, just gonna kind of deal with it. So, um, I, I think that'll be interesting to watch. Okay. Last thing I wanted to do today: Bucks Hornets tonight. The Bucks have played the Hornets twice already this season. Uh, you may remember the season opener. They beat the Hornets 113-112. Or you may remember their game uh, Looks uh, November 26th, so right around Thanksgiving, uh, where the Bucks actually lost 110-107 in Charlotte. And, I mean, I guess you'd, you'd probably remember that game for the Bucks not playing well at all. Uh, they just really was, it was ugly offensively. Uh, and the Bucks tried to come raging back with a, with a fourth quarter comeback, but it wasn't quite enough in the end. They gave up a 33-17 second quarter. And, you know, like I think, 
I think that was a really interesting game because Kemba Walker didn't shoot particularly well. He went to the line a bunch, though, uh, which is something that drove Mike Boonholzer crazy. Uh, Tony Parker hit some big shots, made some big plays down the stretch. And, you know, I I think this game is this game is intriguing to me for a number of reasons. The Hornets have consistently gone to small lineups against the Bucks this year. And the Bucks have largely struggled against those. And, you know, why I think this is interesting is uh, with a game on November 26th, that means DJ Wilson wasn't in the rotation until a couple weeks after that. He, he didn't make his, you know, uh, his real valiant debut or whatever you may want to say in that 107-104 win against Detroit until December 17th. So uh, you're looking at three weeks later there. And I am really curious to watch how how that may affect the Hornets and their ability to go small against the Bucks. Because, you know, as you're looking at lineups that could really find, a, like, that could really hurt the Hornets, or I shouldn't say hurt the Hornets, but, you know, lineups that, that could really change the the way the team is composed, how they may deal with the smaller lineup, DJ Wilson is a really interesting spot. Like instead of, uh, you know, Giannis being the biggest guy on the floor and going with like Middleton or something like that, like you can just go, okay, Giannis and DJ Wilson, DJ Wilson can run around a little bit better on the perimeter. He can uh, chase ball handlers a little bit more. He can get out to shooters. Um, So I am, that is something that's really interesting to me. Because not a lot, not many teams go small against the Bucks, um, and the Hornets are one that have really found some success this season. Granted, both times they've been at home, uh, and the Bucks have obviously been on the road uh, and haven't really shot particularly well. In that last one, the Bucks were thirty four point eight percent from three, sixteen of forty six. Uh, so a really enough, a really rough night shooting from deep for them. Um, so to me, that's going to be something interesting to watch. And obviously I was just talking about Kemba Walker and how cool it is that he'll be in the all-star game. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see how the Bucks defend him. First time uh, they didn't do so well. Second time they did quite a bit better. Uh, and we'll see if here in the third time at home, uh, they're able to take care of business. And I guess just one thing that, that we've seen throughout the year is if you beat the Bucks. The next time around, they are going to take it to you. And that's just kind of kind of been how it's gone for teams. And I, I don't know that there's a true pattern there. I don't know that you can actually say that this is what the Bucks do. But, you know, it is at least interesting to think through that it might be what the Bucks do. And maybe that is something that they're really going to take pride in throughout the whole year, that they're just going to shut down other teams when, when they beat them. So we'll see if that's the case. But that is about all I have for that one. Uh, only other thing, only other note, game note kind of thing from practice today. Uh, we talked about it. Actually, I don't even know if we talked about it. Um, in the Bucks last game on Monday, um, Chris Middleton kind of got punched in the face by DeAndre Jordan. Um, it, was, it wasn't a... A purposeful punch that wasn't what he was trying to do but he was going for a rebound uh rebound slipped out of his hand as he was trying to close his hand to grip the ball it turned into a fist of some sort and that fist came down from very high to chris middleton's cheek 
and wrapped it around his face and just like that uh chris middleton has a black eye and uh you know to me there was some concern about a concussion after the game just because he got punched in the face by a big dude in deandre jordan um but Mike Boonholzer said uh, not only did he practice on this is Thursday, um, not only did he practice on Thursday, he had a great practice on Thursday. So uh, he said there's no kind of lingering effects there um, as far as brain stuff or or anything like that, other than the fact that uh, he said it looks like he got in a fight. Uh, so that that is going to be um, really, really the only other kind of note that I have for this game. So uh, that's going to be it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. Uh, Frank will be back on Monday. We'll talk a little bit about the Hornets game. Uh, the Bucks also have the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday at 5 p.m. That's a 5 p.m. tip on ESPN, so a national TV game for the Bucks. I will be there in Oklahoma City, and I 5 p.m. Pretty nice. That means I'll be able to record a podcast at a normalish time of night, which will be good for both Frank and I. So um, we will do that on Sunday night. We'll recap uh, Bucks Hornets from Friday. We'll recap Bucks Thunder uh, from Sunday. So should be a lot of fun. Should be a good weekend of basketball here for the Bucks, and should be able to give us a lot to talk about on Monday. So for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you again on Monday.